I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, everybody? It's Luke Munger of dogman.com, joined by intern squad. Uh, we got Jack McCauley, of course, and Josh Wadka. Fellas, how are we doing this fine November evening? Jack, you want to start? <laughs> okay, I was letting letting you go first, but all right. Um, doing solid, man. Just grinding away on the work. Seeing some crazy things on uh, Aurora Avenue tonight. Won't get into too much detail, but if you know Aurora Avenue, you know stuff goes down on Aurora Avenue, and I uh, I uh, witnessed some uh, some activities tonight there, so that was uh, eventful. But you know, outside of that, pretty solid. Yeah, I think I'm doing the same. You know, uh, first quarter's halfway through, so. Just continuing to sit down, grind out the studies. Uh, baseball's going well, so all is positive on this end. Love to hear it. Love to hear it. Yeah, it rained today in Phoenix. That's how you know it's going to be a bad weekend. Oh, whoa. That's, yeah. that's the a whole cool western weekend. side of the country. I've got some coworkers in Boise who are expecting some snow this weekend. And uh, I'm sure everyone's seen on Twitter, we've got an atmospheric river coming through Seattle Friday night. Yeah, um, that be wild. Yeah, so it'll be interesting stuff. Lots of wind. Rain seems like mixed reports could be a lot, could just be like relatively damp and windy, uh, but bound to play a factor in a game that Josh, you mentioned to us before this podcast has big implications for both teams. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, this is in a way, this is a make or break game pretty much. If you want to compete for a conference championship, like both teams right now are in a position where it's going to be hard regardless for either of them to be competing for a conference championship and and to play in that game. But this like this is pretty much an elimination game. Like mm-hmm. whoever whoever gets that third in conference loss this week is for sure out of it. And it's a bit it's a big stepping stone especially for either team to really kind of like to kind of really set themselves up as like one of the like more top tier teams. It's kind of like eliminating kind of like the middle of the pack. Yeah. To like top tier level per se. So a lot at stake for both teams, for sure. I think even at more stake for Washington, too, is that they win this game today. I think uh, 
I think it looks really well for them going into Oregon or as well as it's going to be going into Oregon weekend where you have a big road test. You know, you can get the juices flowing a little bit, but, you know, it's not going to be one of those hangover games because, you know, your big weeks falling, uh, but right behind. So you get an extra day off and then you get to go down to Eugene where you're still competing and in the race for the Pac-12 title and you're able to try and make some noise happen if, if, if that's what, what that's what it takes. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting game. Uh, to Josh's point, I think another thing, uh, like I always think of the Pac-12 in tiers, right? It, it breaks off easily, like easily into threes, you know, and th- like right now it's looking like, you know, you got UCLA, Oregon, USC, and Utah as kind of like the four really tough teams. And the winner of this game gets to keep hopes, I guess, alive of being considered in that top tier. Um, it'll be really interesting for sure. Uh, Oregon state is a team that hangs its hat on running the ball. Uh, they run the ball almost 13 times more often than they throw it. Um, yeah. In a windy wet game, something that's bound to be relied upon just as heavily, if not more heavily. What can you tell me about this? I guess, run offense from the Beavs Jack. Yeah, Oregon State really likes to pound the rock, as you said, and also being without their top quarterback, Chance Nolan, with the weather being bad, you can really expect them to um, get creative in the run game. Uh, obviously, their big-time running backs, Damian Martinez and Deshaun Fenwick, both of them lead the two teams in carries, really basically split at 79 for uh, Martinez and 80 for Fenwick. So they, they split the ball pretty much evenly between those two. Um, Martinez has found a little bit more success on the, on the ground with a, an average of six and a half, um, a carry. And he does have that, uh, breakaway speed with, you know, having some pretty big longs on the season as well. Uh, then you get Jam Griffin in there mm-hmm. as well, uh, on, in the backfield, but they like to, they really like to get, you know, a couple of different guys in there as well. You know, Jack Coletto, he's a mm-hmm. linebacker for Oregon state, but he's going to be seen in the backfield. I'm sure at least once two, maybe three times. He's their short guy, you know, if they need uh, if they need someone to plunge their way into the end zone or they need a, you know, a short yardage conversion, that's who they're going to go to. He's just real tough and physical, um, kind of like a Shaq, less talented, but, you know, just as gritty Shaq Thompson. I guess that's what you could kind of think of, kind of plays both ways, mm-hmm. you know, just the team leader throughout the locker room. Um, but, you know, that's who they're going to go to if it's, you know, if you, if you got to, you got third third and goal from the two. They're going to give it to him twice. That's what they're going to do. He's got six touchdowns on the lead on the on the year. He leads the team in uh, touchdowns as well. Um, one thing to mention too, uh, kind of about Goldbrinson. He's their quarterback. You know, I guess it, it does have to do with some running there. He, uh, he is known to take some sacks. He's not too good about holding on to the ball. Uh, when when he has any drops back, he holds on to a little bit too long. So I think, you know, obviously that plays into the rushing yards. I know I'm cheating there a little bit, but um, uh, uh, he, he's been known to take some sacks. So uh, I think, you know, trying to obviously force long situations with him as much as possible is what Washington's going to try and do. Absolutely. Yeah, I think one thing that's interesting about Coletto, the wild jack is what they'll bring him in as their wildcat formation. Um, you mentioned six touchdowns. I was looking on PFF and I need a clarification here. So maybe if someone who listens to this knows, he also has 14 first downs. I don't know if that includes his touchdowns because that would be goal to go. So in a way it's like achieving that goal. If, 
it is 14 first downs and those don't include the rushing touchdowns. That means he has either moved the sticks or gotten into the end zone on 20 of his 21 in rushing attempts this year, <laughs> which is just absolutely freaking bananas. And even if it does include the touchdowns, 14 of 21 is ridiculously effective too of like yeah. achieving whatever the goal on that play is. He's an extremely effective rusher uh, with Jam Griffin too. Uh, he's only played seven games, but Dude, if you factor in a 12-game pace, they have three running backs on their team who are on pace to receive 100 rushes, which I think is an interesting thing in a game like this where it's bound to get gritty. They have a number of guys, if you include Coletto as well, like basically four guys that it's like, find out who gets the hot hand and you can really feed that guy. So that'll be interesting to see. Uh, they have an opportunity to strike, uh, I guess, catch lightning in a bottle, whatever you want to call it, with three different guys. Jack, you may have mentioned this, but how much does it kind of change the complexion of Oregon State's offense with the with the second-string quarterback playing this weekend? I mean, I know he started the past couple games, but what really changes amongst their offense with him in? Yeah, I think it's going to change, too, kind of with the weather. You know, I think obviously weather is going to be, you know, if you're getting those huge wins, you know, flowing inside Husky Stadium, I don't think you're going to look to throw the ball too far, especially for a guy like, uh, you know, Grebenford. Uh, just, you know, or Goldbrinson, uh, you know, that's, the, you're just not going to want to do that. But I think Washington, I think what they're going to do schematically wise is uh, they've, they've been known to play the safeties up. And I think they're going to be real, real aggressive with their guys in the box. They're not going to be afraid to show it either. A lot of their formations are going to just going to be, you know, they're going to have seven, eight guys sometimes in the box, depending on formations. Uh, they're really going to try and just force Oregon state to just, run and get short yards and then have to throw the ball. Um, I think as we transition to defense, though, it'll be interesting to talk about what Washington's going to do, just because yeah. obviously Washington is known for being just such a, just, just such an offensive, you know, throwing machine. That's a, that's yeah. they, they, Penix has the most passing yards in the nation. So it's going to be an interesting field to play for them. Yeah. It'll be super interesting. Um, anybody who listened to the uh, like Husky honks growing up, you know, Dick Baird, people gave him, like, he had his reputation of always mentioning the kicking game. I'm going to do this with the weather on this podcast. Going to bring it back to the weather here. Um, like, so Ben Goldbrinson, who's going to start at quarterback, has not, att- or has only attempted more than 25 passes in a game once this year. Yeah. Like, they're going to run the ball heavily. To that point, uh, both Ben Goldbrinson and Chance Nolan average over eight yards per attempt this year. So they've been effective when they've thrown the ball at like picking up chunk yardage, but that's because they're able to establish the run. Jack, to your point, I think the Huskies will be very aggressive and try to make that happen, especially in wind and rain. I think they'll try their hand of making Ben Goldbrinson like make passes, you know, it's like beat the Huskies deep. That's been something that's kind of been a bugaboo for the Husky secondary or Husky defense this year. And I think that Josh, I don't know if I'm overreading this, but I think the Huskies are like extra going to play into, you know, we as a defense allow 3.3 yards per carry have been pretty effective against the run. Like let's key into that. And then let's see if Ben Goldbrinson can go on the road in the elements and take down the Washington Huskies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I don't think anything but the run can be like your priority whatsoever. Like at the end of the day, if Oregon state is able to beat you by the pass and they're able to throw the ball around the yard, I mean, you kind of just got to tip your cap and say, congratulations, like you beat us. You beat us at what we tried to make you do. But in that in that same sense, I mean, we got to remember UW's coming off the bye week. They get, they're getting a lot of that starting unit back. A lot of this group that we haven't even seen since 
Kent State and Portland State all played together. together at least. They've been all active at just at different points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just that starting group kind of really coming into one and coming into as like a cohesive unit again is really exciting to see some guys. Some guys getting back out there. I mean, we've got we've had guys get back out there and like played a little bit, but it sounds like from what Coach DeBoer and what all the other coaches are saying is like we are finally back, like ready to play. Like we're ready to play a full game, ready to attack. And it's good to see guys playing in spots that they were brought here to play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like this defense has played a lot of guys in areas that like mm-hmm. just had to figure it out and kind of just go with the flow. So it's good to see it's good to see some cohesion back on the defensive unit. And yeah, I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be all out stopping the run. Like, especially with the weather conditions, like we've been saying. Like, that's Oregon State's philosophy. That's what they're gonna try and beat you with. That's what they that's what they hang their hat on at the end of the day. So I mean, it's really it's really our strengths. It's really our strengths versus theirs, and really whatever unit is better at at their specific strength. Well, Washington, yeah. I think, also just knows that you know, obviously, their secondary. They know their secondary isn't all that in a bag of chips so they're gonna you know lean on their run game and whatnot and you know they they also know that they they can their offense can keep them in any single game so they're gonna say all right we'll we'll we're gonna load the box and we're gonna put everything we have into the run game beat us with your arm because if we you beat us with our arm we know we can at least keep up with you on offense you know we're gonna force you to make a mistake and by doing what you don't do well so we're gonna keep like going against you know we're not gonna give into your game plan and we're just gonna you know let you beat us with our arm and then hopefully force a turnover because we know our offense will keep up with you. That's, you know, obviously I think kind of make making our way into the more offensive side of the ball for Washington defensive side of the ball for uh, Oregon state. They have a lot to, you know, obviously work with um, uh, on, on that, that side of the ball. Um, Luke, I'm curious. I know you uh, are very familiar with this defense, you know, that linebacking um, core for Oregon state has always been strong in the last couple of years. Omar Spates is a guy that, um, they return uh, once again. What do you think of him as well as the rest of that linebacker core? Yeah, the the Beave linebacker core has been great this year. They have uh, two guys in the interior, Omar Spates, like you mentioned, super experienced guy, fourth year starter for the Beaves. Uh, yeah, additionally, uh, sorry, I'm going through my notes here and somehow I've lost it. Um, but they have, uh, excuse me, they have Kyrie Fisher and Eastern or Easton Mascarenas Arnold that also play in the interior. That trio has 12 tackles for loss this season. Pretty darn impressive. PFF has been very complimentary of the Beaver run defense. Um, and it starts with those guys. They also have some run stuffers up front. And then just one thing in general, both sides of the ball, the Beavs, like interestingly, uh, are like on paper, not that big. They have three starters on the defensive side or on the offensive line under 300 pounds. And then none of their starters on the defensive line are over 300 pounds, but they still dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides. I got to tip your hat off to the coaching by Jonathan Smith and his assistants, really maximizing the physicality and efficiency of that team. Uh, and, and you have to think that those guys will come to play in the rain. So it starts with that linebacker core, but they're pretty stout up front too. And uh, the Huskies in a game where they'll probably have to run the ball effectively, just given the weather are going to have their hands full. Um, Josh, with the Huskies, they've had Wayne Talapapa, Will Nixon, uh, Cam Davis, and then additionally Sam Adams get some PT at running back. What do you kind of see, I guess, like how do the Huskies afford opportunities to move the sticks on the ground? Where do you see them relying? 
I mean, I don't even know if I could point to one specific guy in general to like really take on the workload. I think it's just going to be, it's going to be by committee and just kind of what they've been doing. is just uh, riding the hot hand, really. I mean, who's ever getting some positive yards going? Who's ever really moving the chains? Um, with that being said, especially after the Cal performance, I definitely think uh, Wayne's going to have an extra chip on his shoulder, a little something to prove. I mean, especially with the running with the running back room as deep as it is, like Wayne's like really trying to assert himself as that senior captain, really assert himself as the leader of that room. And especially coming off that poor week that he had in Cal, that was very uncharacteristic of a guy like him. I could definitely see him coming with a big chip on his shoulder, looking to really carry, looking to really carry the team. And I mean, these guys all know these guys all know the conditions coming forward. They know that there's that there's going to be a big reliance on the run game, and they know that they got a big job to do. So, again, I think it's going to be a very by committee effort. Um, I expect Cam Davis to punch in a couple touchdowns, maybe, but we'll see. Uh, secondary for the Beavs, very experienced. Oh, sorry, Jack. I see you've got something to pitch in here. Yeah, I think this is actually going to be a Cam Davis fest. I think Cam Davis has clearly asserted himself as the guy the last couple of weeks and has really kind of taken over that role as the top guy in the, the backfield. And I think it started the week of the ASU the ASU game. Uh, Cam Davis really started to uh, assert himself as that top guy. You've, you've seen guys like obviously Talapapa a lot in the past game. You've seen uh, Will Nixon and Sam Adams in those third and long, you know, in medium situations as well. And then obviously Richard Newton, in those uh, short yarded situations, but Cam Davis has really been the guy that has looked the best in this running boot in this running back group. And I think that's going to carry over to this week as he gets the most touches, the most carries. They obviously kind of like Josh was saying with the weather game, they're going to lean on the run game. Most you'd think more than normal, especially if those wins pick up, if those wins don't pick up as much, they're still going to throw the ball around. You know, they all, they love to go sideline to sideline. That's, you know, what they love to do. And that's going to get the cornerbacks involved. Uh, kind of some a couple names that I wanted to hit on are um, Keaton Oladipo, Jaden Grant, and then also last chance you fans know this name, Rajon Wright. Mm-hmm. Um, he a uh, real long, lengthy corner. Um, so those three guys are you know really going to have to play a big role, especially if the winds aren't as what we think. You know, if they're 15, 20 mile an hour winds only, Washington they're going to use Michael Penix. I mean, he's their backbone of their offense. You have to think that he's going to be still playing as big of a role as he, as he normally does. And they're not going to think much of it going into this game. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I think the Huskies are still like gonna throw the ball until they learn they can't. Right. So it'll be interesting. Oregon state secondary, very experienced Rajon Wright, Like you said, shut down corner him against Romo Dunze will be awesome to watch this weekend. Um, or this Friday, Friday's weekend, Friday at seven thirty is definitely the weekend. I would argue. Yeah. Um, but then also, uh, you know, uh, like those other names you mentioned, Jaden Grant, super experienced guy. Uh, this Beav secondary, I believe, has ten interceptions as a group. Uh, so the Huskies, in a way, will be going against maybe the most prolific or most accomplished secondary they've faced this year. At the same time, the Beavs pass rush hasn't been fantastic. They rank like ninth in the Pac-12, according to PFF. They have 12 sacks in eight games. Nothing super spectacular. So that also bodes well for the Huskies. And the Huskies also have shown at times, uh, although they lost against Arizona State, like if you're going to play soft or if you give Michael Penix time, he'll be happy to chip away with the Jack Westovers, Devin Culps, Giles Jackson. You know, so that'll be interesting to see as well. Heck, even the running backs coming out of the backfield too. Yeah, no, it'll be an interesting, like, I think the matchup overall is interesting. One group we didn't really touch on before we kind of get into confidence intervals and stuff. A uh, name I want to give 
a shout out to Treshawn Harrison, leading receiver for the Beavs. That's a Seattle guy right there. Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, another interesting name in this, uh, I guess, Beave receiving core, Anthony Gold. He is about 5'8", but he's kind of been their most vertical threat. He's average distance of target downfield, like 15.5 yards. Uh, he has their highest yards per reception. So that's another guy to keep an eye on this week as well. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Like in a way elements are going to dictate a lot of this game. It's two committee backfields, two good run defenses. Uh, man, with all that said, is there anything else that we want to touch on before we get into bets to bark confidence interval, all of that sort of stuff? Yeah. I think just one last thing. I think, you know, obviously if they do start to throw the ball a little, I doubt they will, but one guy, you know, obviously if Washington, you know, they run those deep concepts, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if tight end Luke Musgrave, has a couple big catches, you know, that's a position group that Washington's tried to key in on this year, but uh, he's, I think he's one of the better tight ends in the PAC 12, just personally thinking that um, they haven't gone to him a ton this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he has a, has a big catch or two that really, uh, uh, you know, really make him stand out in the game. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law now Moving along here, we're going to get into that confidence interval. Or do you want to do bets to bark first? We'll Josh, like you said, uh, I'm down for whatever we could do. We could do whatever. I, let's start with bets to bark. Yeah. Best. All right. Jack was adamant about it, so we'll let him go first. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go bets to bark. Okay. This is um, this is definitely an interesting pick. Not really. Um, I'm a, we kind of talked about it with the weather. I'm just going to go Cam Davis. I think they they try to be safe on the goal line. Uh, I think I think I'm gonna go Cam Davis with a two touchdown day over. I'm gonna go 1.5 over under. I think he hits. I'm gonna go with the over too. Uh, I think Cam Davis has a decent day in the rain, and they uh, utilize him well. Absolutely. In my prediction, I have Cam Davis scoring two touchdowns. <laughs> so you guys will see that on Friday when it comes out, and I think that's also the day this pod will come out as well. Um, so Josh, how about yourself? Mine's a guy who may not who his impact on this game may not necessarily like shape up in the stat book a ton, but Thule up front on the defensive on the defensive line will have to have a mm-hmm. massive game for the Huskies like in order to succeed. So I mean although some of the stuff he does may not show up in the stat line, but him taking on two, three guys, taking on double teams and really just being a huge presence up front will really open up the other guys on the edge and other guys in the interior, free up lanes for the linebackers to really come in, fill their gaps, stop the run. So a guy like him just really needs to execute, continue to just build off the good season he's having so far, and just continue to be that inside presence for the dogs. So Tooley's my bet to bark for this upcoming I, week. I think one I think one also name to uh 
to just bring up real quick on the Washington side of the ball is Edifon Ulafosio. Been practicing. Um, so, you know, I don't know how, how I know he's been practicing this week. They've been they've been saying it. They showed footage of him in practice and, and him yeah. and, and stuff. If he practiced last week and he's feeling good this week, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some snaps. So I guess I, I, pers- I personally would be very surprised to see him in the game. I would too. I think they're gonna play it they're I think they're gonna play it safe and try and get him back for Oregon. But wouldn't be surprised if they get a snap or two of him in there. I will not forget being at Oregon State my first year out of college. Oh, so it was twenty nineteen. And that's where Edifuan Lafocio <laughs> had his like coming out party for the dogs. So I'm not like I agree. I'd be very surprised to see him out there, but he's been known to have big games against the Beavs. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, mine, I'm going to stick in that position group. I'm going back and forth on who I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick the other prolific Cam on the Huskies, Cam Bright, grad transfer inside linebacker. I think uh, the Huskies have been waiting for a big one from him. I think he's going to get in the backfield, make a couple stops. Uh, on key drives where the beeves will be behind the sticks and have to move the ball through the air and the elements. And I think those will go a long way in hopefully a Husky win. So those are our bets to bark. We got Cam Davis or we got Cam Davis, yeah. Cam Bright and Tuli Latuli Nasanoa. Uh, and now we're going to go into confidence interval. Uh, we started with Jax. We'll go Josh this time. I kind of hinted on this a little bit in my prediction, but my my confidence interval is literally a five. This game is 50-50 to me, like really just a coin flip. It really depends on who shows up first Friday night, who's able to deal with the elements, and and who's able to best – for Washington, it's really tricky because this is Oregon State's identity. Running the football is what they do. It's what they hang their hat on. Mm-hmm. Washington has to adapt their offense to what what we believe will be, will be elements. Again – we're not we're not weather forecasters. Like we can't say for sure exactly how much weather is going to impact the game, but Grub and DeBoer's ability to adapt the offense and to change will really determine like the outcome of this game. I personally think neutral site Oregon State probably has us on paper. I think they may be the better team overall. Through this game being in Husky Stadium, it does lean me a little bit towards the dogs. I just think the energy on Friday night and like that first like purple rain game, I think the place will be hopping. I think this is a big statement week for the dogs. So I think, I do think they pull out a close one, but really any score and like any outcome of this game would not surprise me whatsoever. Myself. Oh, Jack, actually I'll let you go. (laughs) I'm going to go with a six. I think Washington, I think the two, I guess the two big deciding factors is me to bump it up to a six instead of like a seven or what, what, what not Oregon State playing well this year, obviously, but I think Washington has a lot more talent in that lot in their locker room than Oregon State, and then also kind of Josh saying I think home field definitely plays a part of it. So I give about a point five to both of those two things. I uh, then also just think Washington, if their offense is able to keep rolling like it has been, uh, that you know Washington obviously lost a dud to ASU, but they they should have beat a really good USC UCLA team. They really should have. Um, and I don't think Oregon State's is turnover pro or there's deep in the back line as UCLA is. I also don't think they have as many playmakers on offense as a lot of teams that they face this year. So I think they'll be able to do well. I think Washington is able to come out with a narrow victory. I don't, obviously it's not like one of those things where I'm just saying, Oh yeah, you know, I'm entirely confident they're going to come out here with a win. Uh, I think they should though. I think Washington should come out with a win. I think they're the better team. And I, I think, I think, I think it's going to be a close game Friday night, but Washington will narrowly pull it out. That's just my prediction though. 
you never know. It could obviously go the other way. So I think what I'm about to say here, it's it's tough to have this expectation after a four and eight season, but here we are. The Huskies are six and two. Um, they've won a good game against Michigan State. I know that Michigan State hasn't been as good as the top 10 team that they were when they entered Husky Stadium. They also lost a dub, like you said, to Arizona State. So what I say is like six and two, the Huskies have played probably two expectations this year. This is a game you have to win at home if like you want to feel great about the direction of the Husky football program. Um, and for that reason, I'm going to go six and a half. I think the Huskies, they're five and zero at home. I think they take pride in protecting their house. If they win this one, their last home game will be against the Buffs at home. They have a very legitimate chance of running the tables at home and reestablishing Husky Stadium as a tough place to come and get a win. So yeah, all about the vibes rather than what it looks like on paper. I'm going six and a half confidence interval that the dogs take care of business at home. That doesn't mean that it's going to look pretty though. So yeah, I think we'll end it at that. Shout out to Isaiah Standback who just had a sweet video for UW football. I think that was like my OG favorite player as like a seven-year-old watching Husky football uh, talking about the implications of this game. So go check that out if you haven't on their uh, social media channel. Yeah. And then other than that, keep it at dogman.com for not only football coverage, but basketball season is in full swing exhibition game on Tuesday. They just played and now they have their first real game coming up on Monday. Uh, So dogman.com definitely is a place you want to be. I told you imaginary friends are real. This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.